So we're going to be doing uh, hymnal, hymn 31, which is Be Still and Know. You all ready to sing? Give, give the joy to the Lord? All right, let's go. Be still and know that I am God. Let's go to our Heavenly Father. Most Holy Father, we really, really happy to be here to worship you, Father. Thank you for this body here at North Brevard. Father, we ask you to continue to bless the families, Father. We pray they continue to love one another and you Put your ark protection around them. Father, especially our, our kids, Father, our children, please protect them from the evil one, Father. Father, we ask that you bless some of our ministries. We think about the, the, the ladies' Bible classes. Bless them, the food pantry all our various ministries, Father, missionaries, bless, bless those, Father. May they have an impact on this world. Father, we pray for the sick members of our body. Uh, Don Page, Father, we pray that you intercede on his health. Uh, Bob Caddy, Brenda Scott. Father, we also uh, pray for Nick Iding's wife, Christy. Father, we pray that they, that the delivery of his first child is, 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 is normal without any problems. Father, we ask that you be with the gospel preacher that's going to bring the lesson before us this evening, Father. We Pray that you bring to remembrance all the things he's studying. Our Father, may it be nuggets in our life where we can apply what he teaches us and uh, it makes us stronger and closer to you. Father, as we take up our cross and follow Jesus, Father, bless us along that narrow road, Father. 
Father, we also pray for the ones who are not in a safe way. They're out in the world. We pray that they come to the, to the knowledge that they need you. They need your son, Jesus, and they change their course and draw closer to you. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the next song we're going to sing is How Great Thou Art. Are you ready to sing?
tomorrow in the United States we have a holiday. It's called Memorial Day, and we we give honor to people that 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 passed away to 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 preserve this country and and in the United States. And, and the United States has decided that, that it's a good day for everybody to just take a holiday and remember people that, that gave their life for you. Well, here in the church, we do that every week. There was one named Jesus, and he came, and there, there's a saying that says, uh, 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 all gave some, and some gave all. That's what the military says a lot of times. And, and the, the word there is, is gave. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave his life for us that, that we might have the forgiveness of sins. And at this time, uh, like so, so many uh, holidays, there, there's always a meal goes along with it. And, and just like here with, with the church, we, we have a simple meal to help us remember that when, when Jesus died for our sins. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're, th we're so thankful for the preparation that was made years ago that, that he would come to the cross and, and, and die for us. We, we know that, that from the beginning that, 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 our, that, that our mankind was, was, was lost, but we know that, that you prepared a plan that, that included Jesus to have to come to, to, to give his to give his life for us. We're, we're so thankful for that. We, we, pray, that, we pray that we'll always re remember that. And at this time, we have, we have this bread that represents his body that, that was given. And as we partake of it, we pray that we'll do so in a manner pleasing unto you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Continuing in prayer, let's thank, be thankful for the cup, the fruit of the vine. Father, once again we come to you giving you thanks for all the power that's in the blood. The blood that was shed, the, the blood that, that the soldier came and, and pierced Jesus' side and verified that, that, that he, his life was gone. We're, we're thankful for that blood. We, we know that it still has the power to to forgive us of our sins and, and wash us clean. At this time, we're thankful for the fruit of the vine that, that represents that blood. And as we partake of it, we, we pray once again that, that, that we'll do so with our minds cast upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. So we pray for the offering. Once again, Father, we're thankful for all the blessings that we have in this life. 
We're thankful for this beautiful building that we have. We're thankful for this congregation that we have that meets here. We're we're, we're thankful for the love that, that that we're able to share, Father. But we we know that that things cost money, and we know that that you don't need our money. But 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 Father, you know that we we need to have the heart to be able to to give, and we pray that. That, that we do have that heart and we pray that we will give generously and and cheerfully and certainly not grudgingly that this community can continue to see us as a light in you in Christ's name amen As it says, stand up. So I need everybody to stand up. Okay, we're going to read, we're going to sing, I should say. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. One, two, three, let's go. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. So we're in our series of the prophets and I warned you we were going to kind of be jumping around based on where the scriptures sort of lead us in this series. And if you remember last time we started at the very beginning, we read the first five verses or so of Malachi and which actually led us to Obadiah because the first five verses were about Edomites, the descendants of Esau. And so we're going to pick right back up with Malachi. I was actually just going to um, focus in on four or five parts of um, Malachi 
because it's, it's four chapters. But I decided Malachi's tough. So we're going to take it a little slower. Because this is, again, just like it started with, with the Edomites and God talking about people that he does not like. This is one of those books that's, God uses sharp language. He's not speaking softly to people. He is trying to change hearts. He is rebuking not just um, the, the people of God, but he's, he's rebuking the ministers. He's rebuking the priests. He's rebuking the religious leaders, the people who are supposed to lead people to God in their lives. So I figured rather than throw it all at you at once, we'd take it in maybe smaller doses. So again, we left off in verse five, so we're just gonna pick up in verse six. I'm not gonna, um, we, got, we got a little bit of scripture to get through, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on the stuff we already discussed. So this is where he picks up. Remember, he's just got done talking about the Edomites and, and Israel, or I'm sorry, Judah is trying to use the Edomites against him because, hey, Jacob and Esau were brothers and, and you haven't been treating the Edomites very well, God. So don't forget that part. But here we go. Verse six, a son honors his father and a servant, his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? Imagine God saying that to you. If I'm your father, where, where's my honor in your life? Where do you honor me? If I am a master, where's my fear? Now, when you hear this word fear, of course, we're thinking the fear of the Lord. We're thinking reverence. We're thinking, again, just like honor. Like there is a power that God has. He is our master. It is his throne to sit on. So where is my fear? You wouldn't approach a king without a little humility, without a little reverence, would you? Oh, priest, and this is where it starts to get tough. Oh, priest who despised my name. Could you imagine that as well? Going to a church where the priest despised, if you will, the minister despised the name of the Lord. But you say, how have we despised your name? And you're going to see this in Malachi a lot. God says something, and then he says what the people would say back. Oh, wait, you say this, but how? Isn't that normally, if you get an accusation against you, isn't that normally what you say too? Somebody says you're a liar. Well, how am I a liar? Someone says you're a gossip. Well, who am I been gossiping about? That's kind of, the, that's kind of the, the, the situation you see in Malachi. Okay? So he says, how have, you, how have we despised your name? Verse 7, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. Now, the closest thing we have is the, is the Lord's Supper, the communion table, if you will. Could you imagine if we were a part of a group of people that looked at this and every Sunday while we were doing this, there's people in our group going, geez, what a waste of time. Like, hurry up. Can't we just get along with this stuff? And that's how we treated the Lord's Supper. That's how we treated communion. That's how we treated this altar that Jesus laid himself on, so to speak. Right? This is my bread this is, that, that represents my body. This is my blood, the fruit of the vine, which represents my shed blood. This is, this is the reality of God's people. 
It says they despise the table of the Lord. When you offer, and look at this, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. I love how, I love how he says this. Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Would you even dare do that? You imagine if you got to, um, I don't know, meet our governor. And you had to bring him a gift. And you thought, you know what? I heard our governor, he really likes dogs. And you brought him a blind one. Or better yet, you brought him a three-legged one. If he's gracious, he might go, oh, that's really nice. Who would think to do that? That's exactly what he's saying. God's saying, this is what you're doing. You're taking your leftovers. You're not giving me your fruits. You remember Cain and Abel? You're not giving me the first of your, your fruits. You're not giving me the fatted portions. It's not just bad enough that you despise it. You come to it and you go, here we go. We got to do this again. But then you bring me stuff you know ain't right. You know it's not right. So he says, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you. Look at what God says right here. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors. Remember we discussed that when we were going through the history of Israel and God's people, we discussed how there were kings that would come along and they would shut the doors of the temple and how terrible that was. God is saying to the priest, I wish you would just shut the doors. You're making a mockery out of the worship that's going on in there. You despise it. You're putting bad things on the altar. You're, you're leading the people astray. It would be better for you just to shut it down than do what you're doing. Can you imagine God even saying that? that you may not kindle fire on my altar in vain. And then God says something that's tough. It's tough to hear to me. He says, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord host, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. And then he makes a proclamation. He says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered in my name and, and not just any offering, but a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. It's not just what they're doing. It's the attitude that they have towards the whole process. says, whether you do it or not, my name's going to be great. Whether God's people stand up for my name or not, the nations will. Then he says, oh priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. 
Then he says, indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. He says, here I am, I'm rebuking you and I'm telling you that, yeah, those offerings that you might do in repentance later, they're not going to work. Why? Because I know you're not doing it because it's who you are. I know it's not. He says, you're not taking this stuff to heart. And then he says, verse three, behold, I rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall take and you shall be taken away with it. Ooh, that's tough stuff. That's not something you hear from the Lord all that often. If you look through the scriptures and trust me, I have, that's not something you, that type of language, in my opinion, is why many people stray away from preaching the prophets. That's a hard God to explain, but what is he saying? He's saying, look, the trash that you've made the altar, that is smeared on your faces. That's what he's saying. You've ruined your image. So I want you to think about it like this. The, the, the priest despised the altar and polluted the offering so God would no longer accept their offering because he knew they would not take his rebuke to heart. You ever been there yourself? You ever been there? You ever get to a place where it's like, ah, oh, I got to go to church again. Oh my goodness, here we go. How long has it been? Is Matt Robinson ever going to finish? <laughs> I did do good this morning. Thank you. Thank you. We got done nice and early. Anyway, <laughs> you know, and I, and I use simple ones, but you know what I'm saying. God's having that heart to heart with you and you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to acknowledge it. You don't want to let it sink in your brain. You don't want to absorb it into your heart. You just want to keep doing what you're doing. And, and eventually, I've never been here before, but I could imagine it leads to a place where even this starts to irk you. Because you're not accepting it. You're not really living it. You're not really doing it. It's just, what are we doing? I'm going through the scriptures quick because it's a lot. And I, but I, want, I, I, I had a hard time skipping because when you skip something, then the next part's like, whoa. So verse 4. He says, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand. So he's talking to the priest, obviously the Levitical priesthood. And we talked about how when the when they split and and you had the northern and southern kingdom that the Levites actually split and went both ways so that the Levitical priesthood would remain with Israel and with Judah. They didn't just pick one side. They went both places. So he's talking to the Levitical priesthood and he says. My covenant with Levi, with him, was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. I provided that for him. I gave him that life. I gave him that peace. It was a covenant of fear and he feared me. It was a covenant of reverence and respect to God. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many from iniquity. 
And this is one of those things, just like I said earlier, with Matthew, personal, because it's Matthew, this, this one's a personal one for me too. And I've been telling you guys, as long as we're the church, God, He's going to keep His promises, right? As long as we're being God's people, then God is going to provide. God is going to make the increase. God is going to honor our work in the same way. Look at the ministers. Look at the ministry. Look at the leadership. It's not just me. Look at the leadership. Because that's what he's looking at right now. And he says, for the lips of a priest, we'll say minister just to bring it into, into common day terms. We're not Levitical priests anymore. I'm not there because of my bloodline or who my dad was. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge. And people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. So it's super important if we're going to lead, if we're going to speak, if we're going to teach people, it is a super important thing that we revere God. That we fear him and his word. That we listen to it, that we preach the truth. I fear God more than anybody else in this room. I can promise you. Sometimes that makes the lessons tough. Sometimes that, sometimes, you know, like, like for example, you go back to, you go back to verse three over here and you know what, man, I'd love to just skip that verse, but I can't because it's the word of the Lord. I'm not going to skip it. It's the reality of what he's saying to these people. Look, I don't want you to miss God. This is really more towards the end, but I'm going to say it now because I think it's important now. God, he has washed away all sin. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about it. That doesn't mean you can go and do whatever you want. God doesn't care. He's already washed it away. No big deal. And I'm telling you, sometimes when we get in this mode where we're, we've, we've lost our way, we've, we've went from that place of, Reverence of God, fear of the Lord, and we're doing our own thing. We can get to that place. We can get to that place too. So verse 8 says, but you have turned aside from the way you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. What way did they turn aside from? The way of the Lord. Levi's way, the way of reverence, the way of truth, the way of wisdom, the way of leading people away from iniquity, leading people away from sin and teaching people to walk in the path of righteousness. They've went away from that. That's the way they've lost. That's why they've caused many to stumble by their instruction, because their instruction is no longer from the Lord. Their instruction is their own. And then he says this in verse nine, and this is something that I take, I take very seriously because at the end of the day, I think this is what happens to ministers when ministers get off the rails themselves. Says so as much as, or, or verse nine, I'm sorry. And so I make you despise and abase before all the people. You know what that's, you know what that's saying? Well, let me finish. And as much as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instructions. You know what that's saying? saying you went away from the Lord and the people see through you. 
you've lost your influence on the people. They don't listen to you anymore. You rule based on what you think is right or what you're okay with, not what God says. And because of that, at times, your relationships get in the way of your, of your teaching the truth. Your, your favoritism of certain people gets in the way of you being nice to all people or, or siding with what is right versus um, who's going to like me more at the end. The priests had lost their way, the way of Levi, who stood in reverence and awe of the Lord. Do you ever stand in awe of God? You ever stand in awe of the Lord? You ever have one of those moments like David where he says, what is man that you think so much of me? You ever have one of those moments? His instruction was true and wisdom flowed from his mouth, which turned many from sin. Have you lost your way? This isn't just about me. It's not just a sermon for Matt Robinson tonight. We're all called to be ministers. We're all called to be ambassadors of Christ. We're all called to teach the word, not just with our mouths, but with our lives. We're all called to be in reverence and awe of the Lord. This is who we are. Have you ever lost your way? You ever feel like God won't take you back? I mean, like you just went too far. This is getting to the end of where I'm going to be tonight. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another? Profaning the covenant of our fathers. Judah has been faithless. And abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. What's the sanctuary of the Lord now? It's you. It's me. It's us. There is no temple we all come to worship at. This building is not a temple. This building is brick and mortar and really old carpet. It's what it is. We are the sanctuary. Us together are the church. We are what God loves. And we can profane it. We can create abominations in his sanctuary still today in our own lives. And then it says that um, Judah has married the daughter of a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. So just to be clear, there were plenty of kings who went and married daughters of other kings that worshipped foreign gods. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about, and this is, it's really important to follow this through because what he's about to go through next, you're going to get lost on it if you don't pay attention right now in this moment. He's not talking about an actual marriage, a physical marriage between this person and this person. He's talking about 
actually a divorce. And it ain't a physical divorce either. So think about that, because we're going to get to that right here. And this second thing you do, and think about what he said before with, with the idea of repenting. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Why won't he accept it? Why won't he change our course? Why does everything keep going wrong? Why, why can't we get back in his good graces? Why can't we get back in his favor? You say, why doesn't he? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth. Again, this isn't talking about a physical marriage. Don't get mistaken. That's not saying that this doesn't involve good physical marital advice. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one? Isn't that what Paul said too? Let me tell you a mystery. Man and wife are united. They two become one. And then he said, but I'm talking about what? Talking about your relationship with God. You remember, um, who was it? I believe it was some, I'm, I'm going to end up being wrong on this. I'm pretty sure it was the, it's one of the seven churches in Revelation. I'm pretty sure it was Ephesus. I could be wrong. I shouldn't do this. But it just came to me, so I'm going to say it. One of them lost their first love. That was what God had against them, that they had lost their first... That's what this is. That's what this is. This is that moment right there. They have been united with God and through all of the stuff, all, all the distraction, all the culture of the world coming, pouring in, all the stuff that God told them not to do that they just went ahead and did anyway. It's finally led them to a place where not only are they not worshiping God, but they despise the altar and they're polluting the offerings. They don't care about God at all. Who was it? Anyway, I love this part too. I don't, I don't want to um, skip over this, but I don't want you to get too lost on the physical. I want you to stay in the spiritual, in this idea of this marriage, of this um, um, adultery that's going on, okay? But I love what he says. And what was the one, and what was the one God seeking through this union? Godly offspring. Godly offspring. That's what God's seeking in this union right now. He's seeking godly offspring. That's why he tells you over and over and over in scripture, parents, rear up your child in the Lord. Teach your children the scriptures. 
Write it on your walls, write it on your doorpost, put it everywhere so everywhere they go they can see it. Talk to them when they wake up, talk to them before they go to bed, talk to them when you're just walking around during the day. He wants you to pass it down to your children. He wants godly offspring, more so on the spiritual in this, in this um, context. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her says, the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Now, again, he's not saying everybody who gets divorced is going to turn into a violent man. You know somebody who's divorced. We all know somebody who's divorced. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've become this really violent person because they got a divorce. But he's telling the people of God, you've divorced me. You divorced me. So because you've divorced me, violence is part of your future. Just like he told the priest, because you've profaned the altar, the same junk you've been putting on the altar is now going to be smeared on your face when you get taken away. He says, so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Oof. Verse 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Now, I don't know about you. But this is starting to feel real relevant to me. Because this is a scripture that I see that points to even and I'm just going to be as honest as I can be and as bold as I can be because at the end of the day, I revere the Lord. This is exactly one of the things that we deal with in our culture today. We have people in our culture that are trying, leaders in our culture that are trying to tell us that what God has said is evil is good. And that God delights in it. What about justice? Where is the God of justice? Mm. How can God, look, I'm gonna be real careful, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it, whatever. How can God condemn somebody that was born a certain way? You ever hear that argument? You know what they're saying in that argument? Where is God's justice? That's what they're saying. Or they'll say, hey, it really doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing, and, and it really doesn't matter what type of lifestyle you're living. You're one of God's children. God loves you. God loves you no matter what you're doing. It's okay. It's okay. And here's the truth to me. You know, I, 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 that's the easier God to preach. That's the easier God to preach. The God that has wiped away all sin. The God, despite how ugly and dirty, and, and you understand what I'm saying, corroded you are. God has made you pure and beautiful and loves you and you are a child of God. And that is what we've been talking about on Wednesday night over and over and over again because that is what Paul is explaining to the Romans over and over and over again. 
They want to make it about this and that and this law and that law. And Paul's like, no, no. God died for all sin. And everybody's a sinner. Well, just because God got rid of all sin, let me go back to where we started. Just because God got rid of all sin does not mean that he's okay with it. Does not mean that he delights in you when you sin and does not mean that your sin has no consequence on your life. Because it does. You sit in any situation long enough, you sit in anything long enough, you start to adapt to that. You start to change to that. You start to orient to that. And before long, you don't know what evil is. You don't know what good is. Because to you, it's, it's all the same. It can affect you. It's affected the priest to the point where God says, even if you were to make a sacrifice by your own hand, I don't want it. Now, we're going to revisit these questions later in the next part. Because I want you to see them all in a row. Just like we kind of did this morning with the words of Jesus, all in a row. And I want you to see his response. Their question, why did this happen? And God's response. And it tells a very profound thing, which I will save till next week. But this is the last thing I want to say tonight. And it's a little bit of a recap, but, but I want you to think about it from an application standpoint, from a real life today, me, not just me, y'all. Application standpoint. The priests and the people of God became faithless to their covenant with the Lord. Faithless. Faithless. Not had moments of unfaithfulness. They became faithless. They were past adultery. You understand what I'm saying? And they had divorced God. They were faithless. They didn't want anything to do with them anymore. The very acts of worship became despised anyway. Ultimately divorcing from their union with God for foreign gods and then cried and wept because they lost favor and blessing. And you know what? Instead of repenting, they called evil good and delightful to God. I'm going to tell you, prophecy is typically near and far. But this is one of those ones where I, how do you not look at the world we live in today and not see this exact same influence happening right now? We have to be bold for the truth of the Lord. Because we revere him. Because we have true and honest fear of God and his word. And we're going to follow it despite whatever comes against us. 
Because at the end of the day, there's not anybody in here who didn't know that when they made their commitment to Jesus Christ that they were not going, they were all of a sudden turning from the, the, the flow of the world and walking upstream for the rest of their lives. That's just part of the reality. And last but not least, I don't want to be like this. Do you? I don't want our ministry to lose its effectiveness to where instead of leading people away from sin, we're causing doubt and confusion and, 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 and choosing who we like better or what sounds better. We're just going to preach the word. So, have you ever got to that place where you've despised what God is asking you to do? Where you've not really given Him what you should? Have you ever gotten that place where you, where you lost your way, where you, where you decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to make friends with the world. I'm going I'm to believe in some of this stuff that the world is pushing down my throat. You know why? Because at the end of the day, it's, it, it, it makes life easier. And all this stuff that God's asking me to do, it makes life harder. Have you become faithless? Let me give you a little bit of hope. In the next part of Malachi, which I cut on purpose, he does what God always does. And he tells them the same thing. If you find yourself in this situation, turn to the Lord. Repent. And he will forgive you and he will restore you. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Have your sins forgiven, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, been added to the sanctuary, I guess we can call it today. The church, the body of believers. And for those of us who have, are we living the word of God or are we making excuses for the word of God? Do we, do we love the word of God or, or do we despise it? Are we keeping it pure or are we polluting it? Where are you at? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you come as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt. I'm going to make just a few reminders for things that are happening this coming week. The food pantry is going to be on Tuesday this week. So if you can help with that, lots of help is needed. Please come and help with that however you can. Uh, on Thursday, there will be a senior game day from 10 to 12, and lunch will follow. We're having tacos and enchiladas at noon. Next Sunday evening, remember, we are going to meet at 6 o'clock, not 5 o'clock. Also, next Sunday, following the evening worship, we will be uh, honoring our two high school graduates, Tim Boudreau and Mark Gatt. Please uh, bring finger foods and homemade ice cream and join in that celebration. Uh, we got word that Don Page has gotten progressively worse throughout the day. Uh, please lift him up in prayer as well as his family. Uh, the situation is very difficult right now. Thank you. And our closing hymn is going to be When We All Get to Heaven. So let's go ahead and sing it. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. Dear Lord, we're thankful for another Lord's Day. We're thankful to gather together with the family that is the body of Christ. Father, we are we're thankful for a chance to study your word today. We're thankful for the times of worship where we can talk directly to you, where we can be led in, in thoughts. We're thankful to sing praise to you. We're thankful to, to remember your son and the sacrifice, his sacrifice, the Lord's Supper. Father, we May we always hold that to our heart. May it always have value and increase each and every time. Father, we ask that you uh, be with those who, who struggle with finding value in the worship and the study of your word. 
May it touch their heart and bring them back to you. Father, we ask for your many blessings on each one of us. Father, we also ask for your blessings on Don Page and his family. Father, Don served this congregation here for as much as my lifetime. And uh, his fingerprints are everywhere. He set the uh, basis for a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of hardware, a lot of the microphone I speak into is even part of his work. Father, we ask that you uh, bless Don with comfort, bless him with peace. Um, we understand that his time's coming. And Father, we ask that you uh, take your faithful servant peacefully and Father, we ask for your comfort on, uh, on Carol and the family too. Uh, the burden of with him and Nancy both so close together. Father, we, uh, again, we're thankful that, that we know you. We know your promises. We know that what's promised after the last breath, we hold dear to that. May that strengthen our every step until your son comes again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.